You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Today's episode of Foundation Radio is brought to you by the law offices of Hawthorne, Stroman, and Rowe. Injured in a power bomb through a table? Did a magic doctor take you on a quest to find a hammer and then disappear into the void? Call the law offices of Hawthorne, Stroman, and Rowe and get your free consultation today. Our attorneys are on call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week to handle all your legal needs. Copyright issues, personal injury, every tort case you can come up with. We'll litigate for the justice you deserve. Call today for your free consultation. 1-855-555-BOOK. That's 1-855-555-BOOK. The law offices of Hawthorne, Stroman, and Rowe. We wrestle with justice. one 855- Five 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 book one eight five 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 book buy one get one subject to terms and conditions not available in all states additional fees may apply the law offices of Hawthorne Stroman and Rowe are not actually lawyers you experience an erection lasting longer than four hours please consult your doctor Foundation Radio is brought to you by 10th Ward Barbershop. Serving the historic 10th Ward in downtown Lawrenceville, 10th Ward Barbershop is a full-service barbershop offering quality haircuts, beard trims, and hot shaves. Adam gets his hair and beard trimmed by the owner of the shop, Ryan Kane, and he loves the laser point precision cuts and lineup he provides to him and countless other satisfied customers. But you don't have to take Adam's word for it. WWE superstars Corey Graves and the fiend Bray Wyatt frequent 10th Ward for all their hair and beard trimming needs. Right now, all all cuts and trims are by appointment only. So head over to their website at tenthwardbarbershop.com and book your appointment now with Kane, Jordan, and the rest of the team at Tenth Ward Barbershop. That's 10thwardbarbershop.com. And we thank them for supporting the podcast. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Foundation Radio is brought to you by The Dugout. The Dugout provides custom quality apparel at an affordable price. Modern style mixed with classic designs, you'll find retro t-shirts brought into the 21st century. Adam has several of his favorite t-shirts in rotation from the team at The Dugout, including customized Dudley Boys, Prince in the Revolution, and the Notorious B.I.G. t-shirts. Right now, if you purchase your items through their Etsy site and use promo code FOUNDATION, you'll receive 15% off your entire order. That's right, 15% off your entire order. Follow them on Instagram at the dugout brand follow the link on their etsy shop and use your promo code foundation for 15 percent off your entire order the dugout custom quality apparel at an affordable price Good morning, world. Welcome to Foundation Radio. My name is Adam Bernard. Thank you so much for joining us again for another episode of Sam Watches Bad Wrestling Poorly. We are here today with the executive voice of the program, Mr. Sam Kreps. How are you today, sir? I'm talking in a vintage fashion because I have this new vintage Shure 55S because I want to sound like Elvis. So that's how the executive voice sounds today. 
It should. I mean, I feel like it, that is the right way to sound, though. Like, if you're going to be the yeah. executive voice, I feel like you should have a microphone like that. Like, I feel like that's yeah. that makes sense. So all we, I need is like a spring reverb to, <laughs> to make grand announcements. <laughs> I got to tell you, man, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback about your executive voice duties on Mind of the Meanie as well. So uh, it seems whatever good you to know, whatever you're doing is working, sir. But as we, I'm talking. So that works out. <laughs> As we know, we are here for something that doesn't work, which is bad wrestling. So, Sam, do you know anything about the concept of World War Three? Not other than what we have already set up in previous uh, previously on Swaburp. <laughs> and uh, that's about it. And I should say we're trying something a little different this time because it occurred to me as I was listening back to some of the episode in my car, that a lot of you are probably doing that too. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to watch the, the wrestling and we're going to come back and we're going to chat about the wrestling rather right. than try to cover a play-by-play over the play-by-play. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So, this is uh, the year of our Lord, 1997. That is correct. As I see it. Okay. Yes. So if you want to watch it somewhere, it's on Peacock. It's on wherever you get your WWE across the world. And uh, you can find World War III or season three if you want to watch this. And uh, we're watching towards the end, correct? That is correct. We are at the two-hour, six-minute, and 36-second mark in case you're getting queued up so you want to watch this uh, on your own time. This is the third of the fourth World War Three events that take place. There's only one more after this in 1998. Uh, according to the uh, luxurious uh, Dave Meltzer ratings, Sam, which I know are your favorite ratings in the history yeah. of anything, this match got a, a half a star uh, on the Richter scale here. Um, I'm curious to see Out what... Of Negative five to five, right? No, that is correct. Not a negative five yeah. or a five. That, half that a star. Sound it absolutely, and I feel like it's. I feel like it's a totally valid, accurate scale for pretty much anything. So, uh, so basically, the the World War Three match is a sixty man battle royal. So it's a lot like the Royal Rumble on steroids. There's sixty guys. They start in the match. There's three rings, hence World War Three. Uh, this particular match features a future, uh, the winner of the World War III match uh, gets a future WCW World Heavyweight Championship match. Uh, there's a lot of really notable names in this match. Uh, Scott Steiner, Rick Steiner, uh, Randy Savage. Looks like we have Disco Inferno. Have you ever seen a Disco Inferno before? Do you know what that is? No. Oh, wait till you see him. Uh, Lex Luger, Dean Malenko, and, and uh, I believe, if I recall correctly, Hollywood Hogan is in this one as well. Hollywood. So we are going to get, which uh, actually I feel like Hogan is just touching base in a lot of our really terrible matches here. So we're going to go ahead and watch this here, and then we will come back and let you know what we think. To quote the great Limp Biscuit, we're going to shut the fuck up and back the fuck up <laughs> while we fuck this track up. I can't think of a better transition to a World War Three match than quoting scripture from Limp Bizkit. I absolutely love it, dude. Chapter 2, Fred Durst, verse 1 and 2. All right. Keep rolling, we'll rolling, rolling, rolling. All right, let's watch this thing. And we're back. So, we just got done watching... 
Oh, we watched it. We watched World the War shit III out of that one. Happened. Yeah, World War Three is done. We just got done watching the end of the match. Scott Hall is your winner in the 60-man battle royal. The 60-man fucking car crash. Say 60-man pile-up on the the palace at Auburn Hills. Which, uh, wow! as we also know, is famous for the Malice in the Palace from 2004. Yeah, yeah. So, good old Meta World Peace. Meta World Peace, and what we did not have was World Peace after that match because... There was no world peace in my eyes. No. I think the fight at the Pistons-Pacers game was more entertaining than uh, than this was for the most part. So I saw a lot of things. Let me start out by saying not the worst of what we've watched. So let me ask you. TM scale. I was going to say in the Kreps rating scale, TM, where would you rank that with, as we know, Kennel from Hell being the from hell still worst. worst. I think the the I forget what's it called with the the cages that were on three levels. Oh, that was, was that the Doomsday again? Cage match. Doomsday Cage match is the second worst to Kennel from Hell. Um Hogan Warrior is after that. Um <laughs> I'm taking notes here as you're writing cuz I want to make sure we can keep track of the the creps. I want to say that this is scale. like the second least worst to the lumberjack cage. So we're doing kennel from hell is number one. Kennel from hell is number one. And then the we have doomsday. doomsday cage is number two. Hogan warrior. Hogan warrior. It's Hogan warrior two. Right? Hogan that's warrior two. Yep. Yeah. Then that's had third. This, then we had zombie, the zombie lumberjack, right? Zombie Lumberjack is probably the least worst, in my opinion. I think that's at the bottom, yeah. So I guess we could put, yeah. we could tuck World War Three in on this one, right? World War Three probably fits in somewhere around there. It gets a little bit gray because this was more entertaining than um, Goldberg Undertaker. Yeah. As far as, uh, and if you haven't watched the, or listened to those episodes, you'll get a little bit more of my take on those from there. But so the the big thing is in this one, there's just the theme of the entire thing as me and Adam watched is that there's just too many people. There's 60 wrestlers uh, to the point that when Michael Buffer comes out to explain and introduce, I guess I should say when Michael comes out to, to set things up and introduce the, the match, he has to have note cards with him to not only explain who's going to be there, but also to explain all of the different rules that are apparently taking place in this this uh, this setup. Um, if he's confused from the start, I can't imagine that there's going to be much uh, that the audience of the, the, the wrestling matches, the crowd is going to get into on this one. So it starts as about, as boring as could be um, in the way of all the wrestlers kind of march out like they're in like a an elementary school costume parade. Like one of the <laughs> coolest parts of every professional wrestling match, in my opinion, is the walkout. It's right. set up. It's the lighting. It's the fog. It's like, you know, of, of some of the other bad wrestling, quote unquote, that we've watched. You still get chills when The Undertaker comes out and does everything that The Undertaker does. But no, for this one, it's just like 
you know, cue yakety sacks and out comes <laughs> 59 guys to uh, wrestle, most of whom you don't even know who they are because they're not even all WCW wrestlers. Um, and I know, at least from my perspective, I really don't know who most of them are. But they just kind of all walk out single file. The The camera stays on this, like, one angle for, like, actually 90 seconds while these guys <laughs> keep walking and walking and walking. And Adam's explaining to me who some of them are. And uh, so we get to that point. Um, shout out to Scott Hall's bangs. <laughs> Uh, honestly, dude, I feel like the worst part of this match for me outside of like the setup is the execution. I think uh, I think it's just impossible to watch, you know, and, and and almost for a lot of the same reasons that the doomsday cage match was so difficult to watch. Right. Because it's yeah. it's three rings. It's a split. It's a tri screen. It's not even a split a screen picture in picture in picture. It's a it's in picture picture cubed. <laughs> There's three. Yeah, it's like it's three. They have three cameras, one on each ring, and they're trying to show all three rings at once. And it's it comes back to I think I've said it before. I think I said it in the zombie um, lumberjack match. Um, it's like trying to watch esports. Yeah, like a battle royale esports match. It's like there's too much going on at once to actually be able to explain it all. And what ends up happening is about, you know, a couple minutes into the, the match, they just start cutting to single rings and you don't see a single thing happen in the other two thirds of the match then is what happens for the majority of it. Um, you have no context. They, the, the other part of it, all three rings look exactly the same, and there's a million guys in each of them. Right. Other than this little graphic in the corner that you just kind of have to guess, which, like, they just put ring numbers. You have no clue. <laughs> like, yeah. all they had to do was make the three rings three different colors, and it might have been easier to follow. That wouldn't, like, that wouldn't have necessarily been a bad idea, but even from, like, Jump Street, right? The giant is oh, just... Yeah. Giants just launching people over the ring, but before I realize it, Disco Inferno's out, but then there's six or seven other people that he's already ejected from the ring, and it's like, we have we just started this match, right? Which isn't necessarily the worst thing ever in this, like, startup, because there's 60 guys in this tiny little ring. Right. And that was right. some another thing I said is, I think the gimmick might have been more interesting if it was just, like, an odd sized ring, which is something I don't think they've done much of mm -mm. where like, you know, they actually build a ring. That's just larger. It, I would be amused by that. I don't know. Um, say any current promotions can feel free to, uh, yeah. Take my words and, and go for it. But, um, yeah, little indication of which ring is, which they also opted for ring one ring two and ring three, but never really made it clear, which was, which as you were watching, right. Um, like, I think it took us about 20 minutes to realize that ring two was not the center. I don't think I, think I, don't ring I still three, don't remember. I think ring but, three was the center ring. And I was like, that seems like an odd choice because it's in the middle mm -hmm. of the fucking setup. Right. Like, yeah, it should have been ring one at the top left ring three at the top right. And then ring two in the middle. But they never really identified it. And even after showing us the rings and the names, you know, the assignments, 
it still felt like I was missing a lot because there was nothing to tell me where anybody was. You know, it right. was very, so, very difficult. It was a rare situation probably, though, where probably a little easier to follow in person only because you didn't have to cut to such tight angles. Yeah. However, there's still a million people in the ring. And what tended to happen is that you saw a lot of standing around. I think I counted Lex Luger just sort of standing next to Booker T for about five minutes of one part of the match. Like two guys who are supposed to be trying to throw each other out of the ring to be the last man standing are both just kind of up against the railing waiting for someone to come over and punch them like they're in like the up against the wall at a school dance or something like that. Um, a lot of people just look lost to include the singular referee that's in each ring um, really sells the idea that there's an official for this is that there's one referee for the, you know, 18 ish guys that are all just, like pounding the snot out of each other right. throughout this. Um, so there's just a lot of silly looking things, a lot of things not getting sold, a lot of a lot of wrestlers not realizing that there's a camera real zoomed in on them and they do something kind of out of character in the ring because there's just so much going on. Um, towards the end, you start to notice um, – some of the some of the more seasoned wrestlers starting to look a little bit gassed um, as it really got down to like maybe 10 guys left because they they tried to sell the half and half NWO WCW at the end and you just see a very tired macho man. You see some other interesting uh, looks for some of the wrestlers. Uh, the one that stood out to me was uh, the hammer. Yeah, I don't know the dude's whole name, but the hammer stood out as one that just kind of stuck out like a sore thumb because of uh, just the fact that so many other guys were there. You almost felt bad for him. Although the funniest thing in the entire thing was watching Mysterio bouncing on the ropes yeah. <laughs> before he was ejected and then hung from the skirting of the ring right. before they finally were just like, dude, stop. <laughs> just get just out like, of the fucking get ring get out and give up like this has gone on for 35 minutes now. for far too long far um, too long and the match and itself then, the match itself was 29 minutes and 48 seconds and it felt like a fucking it felt eternity. like an eternity yeah i would say it felt longer than that that's for sure uh and i mean that's long even for the the context of what i've seen so far one of the things I don't really understand was I was about to give it credit for not being necessarily the worst ending because some of the worst wrestling matches I've seen so far, it really just comes down to they don't have a way to wrap it up. Right. They clearly knew where they were going with this one, which was okay, but it seemed like some things got botched. And I think most of that botching came at the hands of Hollywood Hogan, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. So, first of all, why it makes sense from a... So, I, I'm a fan of a lot of different professional sports um, and, and professional, you know, anythings, what have you. Um, why 
after like 50 guys just competed in this thing, does Hollywood Hogan get to just walk out? Because he's Hollywood Hogan, brother. Yeah. All right. So that's the whole (laughs) I'm a heel and I do what I want thing. Honestly, yeah, that's pretty much what it was, man. I mean, Hogan had Hogan had what's called creative control in his contract. I can dig that. Well, I could see he had creative control because he decided to wait like almost two minutes to walk out after Scott Hall gave him the setup. Right. And is out in, I guess it's ring three in the center. Yes. He does this big motion and you hear the New World Order music go. And it's like, and here's the next guy. Who is it? It felt like that. Well, it, it, it f- might be Kevin Nash, but it's not. <laughs> and that was oh, another thing. Just wait and see. I felt like it just took forever. It was just like, why are we waiting so long? Like, just have him fucking walk out to the ring. Like, it doesn't need to be this drawn out. We know it's going to be one of well, two people. We know it's going to be Scott Hall, or we know it's going to be Kevin Nash or Hogan. For, right, right. I'm I'm convinced it was not for dramatic effect. I'm convinced that something got screwed up. Interesting. Because that had all the vibes of missed my cue to go on stage, not I'm going to sit back behind the thing just to tease everybody, but I don't necessarily know much about the the Hogan heel character. Maybe that's part of it, but to me, it looked like I just didn't know I was supposed to go out <laughs> to to the ring. That's how it I came across. My, so then he I goes out fucking cue, and they get man. this yeah, they get this whole setup going and he just kind of gets out of the ring because it's supposed to be a setup for what is the end of the match. But even the announcers were kind of just like, Well, Hogan just took himself out of it. It's like why? Like, why did was he even fucking here? Right. It's like he kind of just got in, threw DDP out and then hop down and it's like okay and like great why was any of that in the match and also remember she was the wcw heavyweight champion at the time so it's like why i didn't know that why is this guy even in the ring because the winner of this match gets a shot at the (laughs) wcw heavyweight championship yeah, that's so, a little bit of a continuity error. Why would he even part. be a part of this? Ma- it doesn't make any sense. It's like it's like when Brock Lesnar entered the 2020 Royal Rumble as the WWE champion, even though the person who was going to win could theoretically challenge any champion he'd like to. <laughs> At least yeah. that storyline made sense, though. That build yeah. up to the Drew McIntyre win made sense. None of this made any sense to me whatsoever um i felt very confused most of the time it was not an enjoyable watch i'll tell you i enjoyed i enjoyed i think our rating scale is pretty on board i enjoyed the goldberg match way more than i enjoyed this um i you can at least know it was happening in that one well also too even like man it was just it like i said it definitely wasn't as bad as the doomsday match but this was just not Anything I would watch again, and all four of them are like this. They're all yeah. just really, really bad and really poorly done. And I okay. mentioned while we were watching this about the Royal Rumble. I know we've talked about it. We've sort of alluded to it a couple of times. But, like, the Royal Rumble is basically it's 30 people, 30 men, 30 women. Each entrant comes out 90 seconds after the next one. 
and it builds for suspense. You never know. You don't know who's coming out. You don't know the next. When you person. get excited about who's coming out, that's right, the biggest right. part. Is like this was just like all right, everybody go out to the ring and wrestle and go and like do it. Call this match yeah, right. Like I, I, I've not watched much of a Royal Rumble. I'm familiar with that concept, and I know that like part of it is the buildup. It's not necessarily the actual meat and potatoes of the wrestling right it's who's coming out next is like the exciting one of the exciting parts and they pretty much blow that whole wad at the first boring two minutes of this match and it sounds like that's the case every time uh, yeah this match it just it, it was a really f- 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 uh, a very poorly executed thought and a very poorly executed idea that shouldn't have gone any farther than the first time they did it, and then they did it three more times after the first time. And it <laughs> well, just it sounds felt... like they almost just told everybody how it was supposed to work in like a phone call. Yeah, here's how and this is going. We're go. all just like, well, we'll just make it up as we go. And like, you had guys that would like, you know, fly out of the ring and they're done. You had other guys that would keep sneaking back in. You had other guys that were traveling from ring to ring, and it's like every time they'd cut the camera, it's like suddenly this one ring has like, you know. 40 people in it and there's five guys over in the other <laughs> ring it's like no one seemed to have a semblance of what was supposed to happen nope until that very last part where um quote unquote sting fell from oh, the rafters god um, and, like that's it, another that thing part too, was exciting man. but like i didn't know any different and i, I got the impression that obviously it wasn't sting but, but I, like i feel like that could have been set up for me right if i'm booking this I'd have put Kevin, I would have reversed the roles. I'd have put Kevin Nash in the spot where, what's his name was, where where I would put Kevin Nash in with Scott Hall, and I'd make Scott Hall dressed up as Sting. Because at least uh-huh. it's a little bit more relievable. You see Scott Hall in the, or you see Kevin Nash flying in the ring as Sting. Yeah. You know it's not him, right? It's just a dead give. I don't know. As far as, like, scenery, you know? Like, yeah, the build, but. I get it. I think one of the one of the biggest things is just that like a lot of the at least what i've noticed so far a lot of the nwo stuff it seems like they're trying to sell it as like pranks yeah is that accurate that's a pretty accurate assessment yeah i mean like it just like because they seem like they're like like Hogan did this thing at the very end that caught my attention where they brought DDP back into the ring and they did a diamond cutter on him. And then Hogan gets up and he's like sticking his hands up like a cartoon villain and kicking his yeah. knees in the air, like yeah. hopping away. And it's like, it wasn't a prank. You just threw him out of the ring, brought him back in and then like stomped them. It be- like it became a parody of itself so quickly it felt like because the NWO okay. was fucking cool when it first started. That's what right? I thought. That's what it was, it was that's Hall, what I knew it to be. Hall, Nash, and Hogan, right? And then you had like a couple of people here and there, but then it quickly became like this. It was almost like this jokey, janky like boys club, right? And it was just silly, stupid shit. And then the finger poke of doom happened, which is another one that we're gonna watch at some point. <laughs> Um, good God. Oh, the finger poke of doom. That's right. I totally forgot. You don't know about that yet, do you? I'm I'm not even going to tell you anything on that yet. So sounds like we should leave it at that. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, that might be the next one that we watch after this, but yeah, the, the, the NWO quickly became a parody of itself. 
And yeah. because for a lot of reasons, the biggest reason I feel like is because it grew too much and they didn't pay anything off because the network didn't allow anything to pay off. Right. And, uh, you know, or Turner Broadcasting, rather, they were supposed the story is that they were supposed to split the brands and the show that ended up becoming Thunder that was on TBS was supposed uh-huh. to be the WCW brand. And then Nitro was supposed to be the NWO brand. So they were going to have these competing factions. It was this whole, it was a really cool idea, but the network just wasn't behind it. So it became really convoluted, really messy. But yeah, I think Hogan, like, Hogan was way better when he was just like a sort of a a timid, I mean, not timid, but like a quiet, calculating heel, right? He did a whole storyline with Roddy Piper where they were like really going at each other. They were really selling it well. But this like comic bullshit that he was doing, this like, hee haw crap you know it was just it was dumb it was like it <laughs> well, wasn't it didn't I think pay it comes off down to hulk hogan's not funny no he's not like the that the, <laughs> the prancing around like you were talking about like the the hand dances and shit like come on man you're a you fucking see my diamond cutter guys you're a like, fucking no. heel dude like you're the biggest <laughs> not just a heel you're the biggest heel in wrestling and like you're doing this fucking like you're hopping away like bugs bunny right dude like come on man give me a fucking break <laughs> man fucking take yeah. it to him stick it to him man but mm-hmm. yeah, I uh, I would say that that definitely ranks above, definitely ranks lo- or higher rather. If if we're, I was going to say which way is higher exactly? So the <laughs> highest scale, the higher. So we're talking about the Krebs rating scale. The I'll higher, have to start the- making like a chartables or one of those <laughs> that like shows where each match lies, so that we can keep track. The higher the match, the worse it is. So it definitely ranks worse than Goldberg. I want to reverse that. The lower it is, the worse it is. All just because right. that logic makes more sense in my head. Um, you, the idea being that the worst are the lowest, and that's what we're basing it off of. Highest is not necessarily the right. Least low is probably <laughs> the, the other side of that scale. Least low. So, oh, so I would say it's definitely lower than than uh, Goldberg, Undertaker. But yeah, not as bad as, not as bad as the as, Doomsday is, Cage. I mean, I yeah, I can't even imagine as, any reason to yeah. ever watch that again. No, no, I, I don't need to. <laughs> I don't know anybody that does. It just yeah. sits and collects dust in the network. So, I think, uh, I think, uh, you know, there, I had a couple of ideas that were going to be for our next show, but I think. Uh, I think finger, finger poke of doom. doom might have to be the next one here, man. I think that's uh You talked about one with the wrestler Doink that I feel like we need to go oh, back to as well. Right. Jerry Lawler and Doink the Clown with Dink, Wink, and Pink. Ugh. The the uh, the little I'm ac- matches. That's one where I'm actually familiar with the wrestlers. <laughs> I'm gonna read this off to you. I think it was a Survivor series match. And like context, right? This is one of the like, this is the time where, like, Hogan left WWF, and they're trying to rebuild this company. You know, they're trying to find somebody to take over this company and become the big new thing. And they're throwing all this shit at the wall, and nothing is working, right? This is, like, peak cheese, too. Like, there is absolutely nothing worse than some of these matches. Like, they have characters like Duke the Dumpster Drozy and... <laughs> the the goon and like they have a man a minotaur like some of this shit is just absolutely insane and yeah. 
they, you know, they're just, like I said, they're just literally throwing stuff at the wall to see what would work here. (laughs) And uh, so this particular match. So uh, what we'll do is next week, next time on Sam Watches Bad Wrestling Poorly, we're going to go back and watch the Finger Poke of Doom. I'm not going to give any. I'm not going to give any context to Sam. I'm going to make him watch the lead up. I'm going to make him watch the match, and then we can talk about it. But the next one after that is going to be a traditional four on four Survivor Series elimination match from 1994, and this features the Royal Family led by Jerry the King Lawler and his teammates Cheesy, Queasy, and Sleazy (laughs) versus Clowns Are Us which is led by Doink the Clown and his teammates Dink, Pink, and Wink. (laughs) And that matches matches 16 minutes and five seconds of pure hell. I have nothing but respect for Jerry Lawler, however. He's a frequent guest on uh, a radio program that I used to be uh, an assistant on for a long time. Really? uh, He's a real cool guy. I loved it. Very cordial guy with... uh, with the crew over at the the radio stations I used to work at, so I I uh, I'll be curious, but <laughs> I know who Doink is be, because of Super Nintendo games. I'll put it that way. I uh, I would love it. You know what, Jerry the King Waller, if you're listening, we would Sam and I would love to have you here on Foundation Radio to chat. Uh, but yeah, this match is. Uh, I remember watching this as a, as a kid. So this match happened in 1994. I was nine years old, mm. and even then, at the time, I'm going. Oof, this is even, this is a little too cheesy for me. Uh, so we're going to take that <laughs> this out. This is dumb. This is stupid. There was also a character called Quang. K-W-A-N-G. Quang. I want you to Google that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot of really shitty wrestling we can come up with and watch. And, guys, remember, we really appreciate you tuning into this program. If you have any shitty wrestling and bad wrestling you want Sam to be subjected to don't forget to tweet it at me at this is goober at fnd radio pod and i will let sam have it with all these bad matches thank you for that (laughs) if you do that final thoughts sir final thoughts on the i just hope we get to watch some wrestling soon where there's just less people in it and we can actually watch wrestling and not just a bunch of mass (laughs) mass hugging well don't Don't worry. We'll watch some wrestling. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's good wrestling. I'm just gonna say it. We'll watch a wrestling match at some point. So I'm sure right. plenty to go through. So for the executive voice, Sam Kreps, I'm Adam Bernard. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Sam Watches Bad Wrestling Poorly. We will see you again next week. Peace. Over. Foundation Radio is hosted, recorded, and executive produced by Adam Barnard. The show is also produced by Sam Kreps. Special thanks to Greg Mead, Joe Keen, Jeff Quinn, and Dr. Ruth Almy. Our intro and outro music is produced by Dumb Ugly. Find this episode and our full archive at foundationradio.net. Follow us on Instagram at foundation underscore radio. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your favorite podcasts. This has been a Foundation Radio production. Butts Carlton, proprietor. <laughs>